Ah. And that's been Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. You can find us on the Patreons and on the Twitters and um, on TikTok where we don't post pictures and videos of people committing suicide. Thanks, everybody. Oh, a good episode. You mentioned the Patreon. So at the, like at the, my opinions are facts tier, um, the, the $50 a month. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like 18 extra episodes a week. And I'm getting kind of burnt out recording these episodes by myself. Yeah. Um, it was your idea and I wasn't going to do that because it was stupid. But yeah, but it's fun and it's about, you know, it's about the community. It's about the family. I know. Um, I hate so our family. There's a well. You know, I was just gonna say, like, no one's at that tier. So yeah, I mean, I don't know why you're doing it. No one has actually heard any of these yet, and there's a there's quite the backlog now. So you guys are really missing out. Oh shit! Are we still recording? I'm sorry. Um, I thought we were done. We 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 had our whole episode. It was just that sigh. I opened this can. I was gonna get a beer, right? Yeah. Because it's it's recording night, and it's fun to share a drink with my friend Chad. Yeah. And so I'm going to get a beer, and I saw this very interesting can, and it's a Bud Light seltzer. Huh. I didn't know Bud Light was making seltzers, and so I was just, I'm so curious. I'll try this tonight. And I, I swear, like, I came home, and I closed the door behind me, and my first thought was, I really wish I grabbed the beer instead. Yeah. Like, I'm, so is, I'm, is it non-alcoholic then? Uh, no, this is alcoholic. Alcoholic you, seltzer water, huh? Oh, yeah, you haven't had a White Claw? No, it's like the trendiest drink of 2019. I, I see, I see pictures and in, in, in the logos and stuff, and I'm just like, that's not bourbon. That won't drown my sorrows. So yeah, um, it's a very popular drink because everyone in college is like pussies, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what possessed me out of curiosity to try this. Did you get six of them then, like a full thing, or just the one? No, it's just one one big can. Okay, okay. this has a very delightful berry flavor. Oh, well, there um, you go. And there's a, I'm going to call it a bitter aftertaste that doesn't complement the berry flavor. You know, though, if you keep drinking, you don't get to that aftertaste till the bottom of the can. That's true. I'm drinking Coors Banquet. It's just a really good fucking reliable beer. Oh, that is a, that's a good standard, that's not word, staple. Yeah. A reliable beer is a good beer to have. I was I was at the liquor store for like ten minutes looking at beer, and I'm just like I don't know what I want because I'm looking at stuff I haven't tried that looks fun, and I'm looking at stuff I like, um, and then I'm it's just like what do I want to do? There's so many IPAs, they have really cool cover, you know, cans and stuff, but I'm not usually one for those. And some of the really fun stuff look was really expensive, and then I was like, you know what? Let's just go. Let's go with something that I know will make me happy. And I, so far, it's made me happy. I really wish I did that. Because, <laughs> quite frankly, this is okay. I think, honestly, if you like, um, if you like seltzers, this is a good one. Uh, they had a couple flavors. I just, <laughs> I, I understand what drink is supposed to taste like, so I'm not a big fan of seltzers. <laughs> right. Oh well. I mean. You probably like it more when you're like halfway through the can and you're feeling a little buzzed. Yeah, but really, I I don't drink to get buzzed. Um, I actually do appreciate the flavor of beer. I had a um a non-alcoholic Budweiser. How was that? 
it was actually good. Um, it was not as good as normal. In fact, I wouldn't say it's as good as Bud Light, but it tasted like a beer. And it's like, oh, if I was at a place where we can't drink or um, my sister-in-law is pregnant and it would be rude to drink in front of her, I'll bring a six pack of these non-alcoholic beers and it's actually not offensive, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not just about the buzz. Like, I actually do like the flavor that comes out of a very good brew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to not. It, it, it definitely took a while for me to learn to like beer. Yeah. But the same with oh, coffee wow. and most hard liquor that I drink on the rocks now. Like, I, I don't know if you have to, like, just kind of kind of burn off the top layer of your taste buds before it works, but once you do, it's great. Oh, well. Oh, well, indeed. Uh, how, how you been? How you doing? Other than the beer. Oh, I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through uh, through Tumblr here, and the, these pictures make me laugh. Uh, okay. Well, let's get back to the show. Okay. Hi, show. So, last week, we gave everybody some homework. Did we? Yeah, we're all going to watch that documentary about Hydax. Oh, yeah. Helix. Hyrax. Helix. Hib- Hibco. That one. You did it. You got it right. Hibco. It's where the pets go. Um. So you watched that, right? Okay. Real quick. Every time I see anything like Petco, but it isn't Petco, I still think of like, but it's where the pets go. Like, it's yeah. such a good slogan that I want to apply it to everything. Yeah. I say that about Costco. Yeah. Um, there was another one that didn't even make sense. It was literally just two syllables. One is, there's a, there's a, a place that sells like electrical supplies and, and other, uh, and light bulbs and stuff in the area called Gex Pro. And I do it with that one too, even though it's not, it's not even close. Like it kind of is like the accidents is right, but nothing else is. And it's like, why do I do this? Why am I so stupid? I don't know. It makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's the little dumb things you do. Anyways, Helix, the Disney band. Yeah, so what did you think of that? That was that was wild. I cannot believe that that was a thing. And I think a lot of people couldn't either, and it yeah. wasn't quite around long enough for, you know, it, it's just, I feel bad for a lot of the people involved. Yeah, there's a bittersweetness to the whole story, really. Yeah. It's weird how corporate it was, too. Like, they had, like, a very specific thing they were trying to make, but then they had to go find actual musicians, and it's like... We're trying to make a band, but it has to be a band that can play at Disney, and there's costumes, and there's going to be kind of like theatrics, like the drummer, or the, yeah, the drummer could do like gymnastics and stuff, and so he had acrobatic stuff he was doing, and, and somehow making all of this work to the point where everyone was having a good time and like fired up to get into a studio and record music and things like that. Like, it's such a crazy story because it's just so many different parts that I don't think should fit together. Well, yeah, and like you said, it's a very, it was a very, very corporate endeavor. Like people sat in a bed uh, in a boardroom and decided this is what we're gonna make. Yeah. So the fact that it turned out with this like aura of genuine um, entertainment to it, mm-hmm. it's like how in the world <laughs> you modern Disney could not create this today. No, I think it would, I would love to see modern Disney try because I think it's it would be even more corporate and focus tested, but also really laser focused on like what they're singing about and and 
you know, with this, like, some of the songs they were singing were, like, fairly edgy, like the, you know, the, what was it, a uh, Jailbait or something like that? Yeah, Jailbait. And it's like, okay, that's not, like, what I would consider a kid-appropriate song, but they made it work, and I think the fact that it wasn't totally appropriate is why it did work, because rock is supposed to be edgy, like, it is supposed to be counterculture to some degree. And so, like, to me, if Disney tried to do it now, they'd be like, well, Imagine Dragons is something people like and sometimes play it on rock stations, so there's our basis. And I, and I feel like they would build something way soft, way more like that. Like the, like the, in Equestria Girls, they have a rock band. But it doesn't really ever feel or sound like a rock band. There's there's a lot of, you know, because they're making pop music because it's My Little Pony and they're trying to appeal to that demographic. And that demographic doesn't listen to, like, hard rock music, right? Like, and I feel like this, if Disney were to do something like this now, they would do the same thing, where it would, they call it a rock band, but it really wouldn't be one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's very, very real. Um, again, I'm, I'm blown away with the fact that they made an actual, like, serious band. Yeah. I, I get, um, I get how maybe this could have been an idea on paper, but I can't believe that it was actualized, I guess. Because they also, they really committed to the theme. Like, they have to be, like, in character that they're from another planet, and there has to be a Mm -hmm. Wookiee, and there has to be a robot. And it's like, I feel like there were so many opportunities for it to just completely bomb. Oh, yeah. It's really fascinating. I love that, like, behind the scenes, it was a Wookiee costume, and they were clearly trying to do Star Wars stuff, but they couldn't say it on stage because at the time they did not own Star Wars. But now they do. And it, it is kind of funny how, like, there's this full circle thing there. Like, Star Wars inspired to Man. they own Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really sad that once they started owning Star Wars, they stopped having fun with Star Wars. Um, They, they stopped doing, like, comedy stuff and, like, bearing things. Because they have to, like, treat Star Wars like it's this thing that needs to be revered. You know, it's like sure. this is precious religion for some people. Um, before they owned Star Wars, are you familiar with the, uh, the, um, I think it's called the Intergalactic Hoopla? No. So, in Tomorrowland, once a year, for Star Wars Day, they would have, um, let me look it up. Star Wars Hoopla? Hyperspace Hoopla. And it was a dance competition where a bunch of Star Wars characters would, like, come out on stage, and there'd be a whole narrative where, like, every year there was a continuity to last year's. So it's like, well, here's the dance competition, but then this year, like, Emperor Palpatine will show up with his dance troopers and, like, ruin the show for everyone. He's like, you ruined last year's, and now I'll win this year's. And it was so, like, silly and fun. (laughs) And then it's, like, this tradition thing that people would look forward to and as soon as they own star wars they're like we're never doing that again oh really um look at this one like one of the backup dancers is like a silent bounty hunter from episode one that doesn't have lines like they 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 were making like fan nods (laughs) to like this character's only in the books but you'll see her at disneyland dancing star wars is such a weird property it is (laughs) i never know what people want out of it or I don't. I never. I don't even know what I want out of it at this point, dude. That's such an apt way to put it. I honestly, I don't know either. Um, you know what I'm really looking forward to right at the second. What? Uh, in two weeks, Star Wars Squadrons comes out. 
Oh, the, yeah, that one looked pretty cool. Yeah, and it's like, and it works with VR. And yeah. I have a flight, I have like a flight deck on my computer desk now. I have a throttle oh. and a joystick. Nice. And it's like, I've seen, I, I check in on the Reddit and people are like customizing their gamer chair to like support flight sticks or somebody got a um a costume like Rebel Alliance helmet. And they're rewiring it to get their microphone pieces inside of it so they can actually wear that as their headset while they're playing. Oh, like, that's cool. People are getting really excited for this bad game that's not going to be that great. Because there's still this like love of Star Wars. That oh, no matter sure. No matter how much they try to snuff it out. <laughs> I I really want another like good pod racing game. Oh, yeah. I got, um, I got that re-release. They put the Nintendo 64 one out. How's that play? Because I remember the last time I tried to go back to that, I was like, this is kind of miserable. Oh, I, I actually like it. Um, It shows its age. Yeah. But it is actually a solid... Uh, It's a solid port. Like, it plays correctly. Yeah. The, that game gets, like, really hard really fast as far as the, the level design and stuff like that. And yeah. just the speed of it. Um, It's very it- exhilarating, though. I feel like they could do a modern one and people would be on board. I think pod racing is weird because I, I think some of the discourse around pod racing is like, in hindsight, they don't like it. But to me, it's one of the best parts of episode one. Like, it's so cool and charming. And like, I want, I want more of that. Like, I feel like if like they're, they're delving into Star Wars and making all these movies we no one wants. It's like, make a fucking pod racing movie. Like, do some Fast and the Furious shit, but with pod racing. Oh, dude, like, that would be you imagine? so cool. Oh, see, that would be fun. Fucking Vin Diesel in there. Have him play a character. That'd be so good. <laughs> if 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 they could actually, like, like just straight up parody <laughs> Fast and Furious and, like, and market it that way, that would actually be hilarious. And then it's, like, it's one of those things where I think the new Fast and the Furious movie is, like, they're finally going to space. It's like, you're Star Wars. They can automatically go to space. You can somehow make this go to space, and it it's not even jumping the shark, because it's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> I love it. That's a brilliant idea. And there's just so many, like, cool stages in the game, like, where you're doing some zero-gravity shit, and you're, like, going through uh, asteroid fields and stuff, like... And there's a, there's a lot of variety. Um, I remember one of my favorite levels was, like, there's parts where you go underwater, and there's, like, mm-hmm. tubes and stuff. And even on Nintendo 64 graphics, it was really fun to look at because you're zooming through it so fast yeah. that you don't really have time to admire the lack of detail. Yeah. And it just seems like the most winning thing about the Star Wars prequels, and it's like the least capitalized as far as you could have capitalized on that so hard for so long, and I think people would have been on board. Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, so... I, I still recommend that documentary. Oh yeah yeah it was it was a, it was a fun. I mostly listened to it because I was painting Warhammer. Oh yeah, but uh, it was it was very engaging. Um, it was it was really good. Um, but I want to ask if you were in the boardroom today, and they said we want a live musical act at Disneyland. Where where would you try to push that idea? Like, do you think oh. Tomorrowland's still the best idea? I think so. Um. Because you can just do so much with the idea of, like, what are we going to do with the future and, like, dystopias and stuff like that, like, sci-fi shit. Like, it's just, 
it's very easy to crutch on any of that stuff. I mean, hell, like a lot of like big concept rock operas or sci-fi based, like it's not, you know, it's not yeah. even a stretch musically. No, I'm with you there. And uh, you get some good like synthesizers and stuff, a good keyboard player. Like you can you can do a lot with a keyboard. Um, it's one of those things where my musical taste, at least currently, I've I've been listening to some synthwave stuff recently, and and some of that's actually really good. So I could see. You know, if we're trying to, to market to a very wide audience, doing some heavy synthy influences that I think that aren't, like, too aggressive but are, are kind of moody, like, people might want. But then I don't know if kids want moody music. I think kids want catchy music. So maybe that won't work. There's got to be at least one guitar in this this musical group thing. Like, I, I refuse to not have a guitar. So I think, late, lately, you know how I don't like music? Yeah. I think I like punk music. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of punk music. Nice. Um, I could almost picture, like, if they if they had a punk band playing in Tomorrowland somewhere, but they should put it in like a back corner next to a closed ride, so it feels like you're going down like a back alley. And when you when you get through, it's it should be like almost um, a Blade Runner. Kind of like you know, dark and sketchy and neon signs and stuff, and have this yeah. like like tense almost feeling, and it wouldn't be like actual um, edgy stuff, like it would be uh, Disneyland audience friendly, mm-hmm. but they would have the attitude, and they would sing about how they don't like the Empire or something, um, and that would be like the authority they're rebelling against, but get that yeah. kind of like really aggressive um. You know, they can, you can, (laughs) what I love about punk is that like half the time you don't hear the lyrics. No. They're just like (laughs) growling or rambling. So it's like you could have lyric sheets out available to like make parents feel better. And it's about coming together as a community because we, you know, don't let the, don't let the man control you because we can do it together and it's love. But it sounds like, and it would still be like fun. I think what you could do, too, is, like... Because punk can get very aggressive, and I don't think you'd want to lean into that aggressive um, for this kind of audience, but you could definitely have bursts of it. Like, the beginning of a song have, like, a really fucking crazy, like, guitar riff and drum, but then slow it down for when the actual verse hits. Yeah. And, the you know, you, you can come in and out of it, so you have that, like, taste of, like, this is a punk show, but it's also been uh, watered down a bit, so it's a little more family-friendly, a little more... Um, yeah, it'll for everybody. Like, there's nothing wrong with making music for everybody. That's it you know, would a little be more totally watered down. <laughs> but, yeah, but I've heard like PG punk that I think would scare people if they're walking into church and they heard the beat and they go, yeah. "What is that devil's music?" <laughs> and it's like you, you can you can walk that line where it's like I think I think if you're willing to walk down the spooky back alley in Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. it invites creativity and imagination of like what if everything's not perfect in the future and it puts you in a different mindset yeah um i know a lot of the messaging they try to push is uh like the the tomorrow should be optimistic mm-hmm. and that's what tomorrowland is about but they haven't done that in a long time and right now tomorrowland is like 50 percent uh marvel's avengers trademark sure and it's like, oh, if they don't care about it anymore, then I uh, let's play with the idea a bit. I I also think 
I don't know how often like synth stuff actually shows up in punk music, so you could still maybe incorporate some of the more digital stuff and actually have it feel like a fairly fresh sound. Oh yeah, what was um, what was that one band? Shoot, I can't remember. Was this the Stooges? The the one guy he was he really wanted to experiment. I don't think any of his experiments like panned out and made it to like the good records. But when they started, he had a musical instrument he invented called the hydrator, and it was a it was a blender that he would fill with water and then put the microphone inside the blender and then hold that <laughs> next to the microphone. That's and it funny. just it would make this sound like it wasn't even interesting. It was just a, it was noise. But he would try to incorporate that in his songs, and it's this visual thing of like, what is he even doing? And you watch him on stage, and you can't tell what's going on or if this is serious or not. And you go, yeah, that um, that is that is great. Yeah, have you seen um the Marble Machine X guy? Oh, that sounds familiar. Uh, he he made. He made a, a, a basically an instrument that ran on marbles, and he he turned a thing and cranked it, and all these marbles would hit oh, stuff I and drums, it. and 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 so he's been working on like a sequel to that instrument that he can program and play actual like more than one song on, and it's been this big thing, and uh, he's got a huge YouTube channel where he walks <laughs> through it. So so this is literally um the same as like a music box. Yeah, just instead of like hitting piano keys. As it rotates, it releases a marble in yes. a very specific location. This is really brilliant because the sound is totally great. And that's the thing is like, and it's such a cool like art piece. Whereas like this Disney band, I think if they commissioned like basically a weird instrument like this to play, even obviously something way less complicated, but just something that seemed futuristic, and you walk in and you're just like, that's really cool. I've never seen anything like that because I, I think that's kind of what you want from Tomorrowland, but also Disney. Like you're there to experience something you're not going to get at home. Now I almost pictured, um, like if the band had like scary tattoos that were, um, uh, what, what's bioluminescent? Oh, so yeah, like, like glow in the dark. Yeah, so like, what if they just, um, it, like it would be a fun visual if like circuitry would like light up when the music starts. Oh, that would be neat. You know, like they could have interesting effects that makes them look, um, like oh, they're they're edgy, but kind of in a cartoony way. Yeah, I I just like the idea of like this becoming you know a kid's first concert experience, right? Like, cause, cause that was with with Helix, where like people would come in and families and kids, and it's like they're actually being treated to rock and roll music. Yeah, and, and like it, that had to be and it really eye opening. Yeah, it wasn't dissimilar from an actual like rock concert. But also, it's this, like, really safe environment where your kids aren't going to, like, run off and take pills. Yeah. So it's like there's nothing to worry about. You can just enjoy the music. But there's this energy in the room like an actual concert. And it's this, like, interesting baby's first concert going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this, I think, once a while back. But uh, there's a band in Finland called Heaviosaurus. And it's basically, like, what if Barney the Dinosaur but a metal band? Yes. And, uh... I feel like if they can do it, we can do it, right? Like, come on, Disney. I believe in you. Yeah, I would I would really enjoy that, I think. Man, I so I'm looking at the Cyberpunk game. I'm still not sold if it'll be fun or not. But it makes me want to play actual Cyberpunk. Sure. I wish I was I'm such a bad DM. I don't know if I'm ever gonna play a tabletop game again. I'm sorry about that, and I don't think you were a bad DM. I think it was a, it was just a lot of things that came together in a weird way. And now Matt's got a kid, 
Well, no, I, I, I mean, I know you're talking about this game that we played, but mm-hmm. the last four games I've tried to run haven't worked out. Oh. So I don't. I, I think I'm the pattern here. You could not DM the next one. Yeah, I've tried that. I, no one. It does seem hard. I would be tempted to try, but it seems like one work and then two. Like you have to like act and get into like, the NPCs and stuff, and like it takes a lot of alcohol for me to do that. I don't know why I have such an aversion to like anything of that sort. It doesn't make any sense, but I, I do. It it's just like being in front of an audience without clothes on or something. I just don't. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Man, we gotta we gotta get you comfortable with improv. I, I, we got to get you back on VR chat. We got to do something. Maybe. I feel like well, we, we did a little bit of improv in the beginning, and I was like at least trying to keep up with you. And I, I was like, hey, I'm doing it. Yeah. Because usually on the comics podcast, when they start, I'm, I'm kind of one of the first people to put it into it. But also the humor on that podcast is sometimes garbage, and I don't want any part of it. <laughs> okay. So did I tell you about when, when I was doing a ventriloquist act on, v, on VR chat there? Is that you had Joe and he was like tiny and you were basically like holding him up? So he wasn't it, tiny. <laughs> you were big, but, right? No. Um, but he was sitting in my hand. And okay. so he, he was he was Link. Um I think he was like Wind Waker Link. Yeah. And then there was like another it. Link that happened to be at the bar, and so I picked both of them up and they're both sitting in my, my hand. So I went up on stage and I just started like treating them both like puppets and like this was my ventriloquist act. Which is, there was a funny level to it in that I'm holding two people for no reason. So it's like, why is this a puppet act? And then also, why is it two different links and they're talking to each other? Like, there are so many things wrong with the visual that it came <laughs> together as like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I'm going to keep laughing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, here, I just sent you a picture where there's like, there's a person and they're surrounded by bright color neon lights. And it's like, that's what I picture the punk band being. Okay. Where it's like dark, but also colorful and brightly lit. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would totally, I would love to have a Disneyland punk band that, I think that, that would plays work. off the grid. I feel like. Dude, that would be their name. Off the grid? Off grid. Yeah. Like cool. one word. Yeah. And like, like the G's, maybe like the, the tail of the G's, like a lightning bolt or something. Something. I feel like when you when you do something like this and, and you're walking that line between edgy and not edgy, I think you need to fall. Oh, if you're gonna trip, you need to trip into the edgy side. I, I really feel like you need a little bit of a bite to this to make it work. Because yeah. if it's too friendly, no one is gonna give a shit. Did you um? Did you ever hear about the the Cinderella Castle mystery tour? No. So um, this was in Japan. They have the Cinderella Castle in the middle of Disneyland, the same way as like the other parks would. But they, on the inside, they have more room. Uh, at at American Disneyland, it's basically a facade, and there's nothing to see. Um, but in the Japan one, they made it like an actual building, so there's rooms to go inside. Oh, cool. And but it's not like it's not normally open. Like they don't always use the space. So one year for Halloween, they set up uh, an attraction where. There's a line queue where there wasn't before, and it says Cinderella's Castle Mystery Tour. And you're like, well, what is this? And there's like a disclaimer that, well, it might be scary, so young children might you know, not want to bring them. 
And it's like, okay, but what is it? And so you walk in and it's a tour guide through Cinderella's castle. And they're going to show you all the pretty dresses and the paintings and all the royal furniture. And you'll see what it's like to be a princess for a day. And you walk in and the first thing you see is right before the dungeon, um, there's the enchanted mirror. And the enchanted mirror will like taunt the guests and say, oh, you want a tour? Well, why don't you take my tour? And then the um, the dungeon doors will open and everyone walks in and the tour guide is like, well, this isn't on the tour, but I'm curious. Let's go in. And you get trapped inside. And then there's like a giant sleeping dragon and there's like haunted stuff attacking and there's the spooky things. And the and then at the end, there's like the black cauldron from Black Cauldron. Oh, wow. And there's, like, a, a, a demon that is summoning Satan, and he, like, promises to sacrifice everyone so that the Dark One can come. And it, like, escalates really fast, and the tour guide gives a, 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 a holy sword to one of the kids to, like, point at the skeleton, and, like, lights shoot out, and it kills the skeleton, and oh, everyone's wow. freed. And it's, like, this thing where you would not expect this journey <laughs> when you go to Disneyland. And it's like it leans a little bit into Japanese culture where they're like accepting enough of it that it wasn't controversial. Sure. Um, but it's the sort of thing where it's like, man, I wish they would do that one year here. <laughs> that would be really fun. I wish there was a, a House of Leaves exhibit at an amusement park. And for those that don't know, that's the book where like there's a house that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And it takes that idea and escalates it into very weird surrealist horror. But I, I like just like the the place of it. We're like we're gonna tour this weird house. I hope nothing bad happens. And having it made in such a way where like things can move around, and all of a sudden you like you know it, you make it look or feel bigger than what it is, or you just build it bigger than what it is. And and you know and the outside looks small, but it, you only see a part of it, and it's actually like you know attached to other buildings or whatever. Like you could you could do something with that. I think that would be cool. I think that would be very ab- appropriate for um, an amusement park. Yeah, maybe not like a Disneyland, but an amusement park. Yeah. I don't go to amusement parks, though. I haven't, I haven't been to one in, like, decades like, since. I went to Disneyland once when I was a very young child and barely remember it. I I love Disneyland. Um, I don't like exciting rides. I like dark rides. Sure. And I found that apparently that's like a subculture where there's people that are like roller coaster junkies, and then there's people like me that are lame. <laughs> and I want a storybook that's one diorama room at a time, and that's all it takes to make me happy. <laughs> um, I feel like yeah, that makes more sense. I don't know. I I don't like. I don't have any interest on being on a roller coaster, but some of these like. Like seeing this pic- these pictures you're showing me of like the dragon and stuff, like yeah, this this would be cool. Like, so you know what's really cute is um, there's a roller coaster at Legoland, and it's uh, it's a dragon coaster. Like the coaster looks like a Lego dragon, like that one piece, you know. Okay. But most of it's actually a dark ride. So you you walk in the castle and you get in the little dragon, and you take a tour of the castle, and there's a bunch of dioramas made out of Lego of like different scenes that would happen in a castle like there's a king with a big banquet and there's the guards but they're sleeping that's funny and just like a bunch of things there's a really big dragon like the heads like coming out of a hole and like smoke blows in your face and stuff um but then at the very end 
it takes you up a little bit and it ends in a roller coaster. Oh, neat. And so it's like this fun climax where it you get the fun of a roller coaster, but it's also like entertaining enough and tame enough for like a kid to enjoy. Sure. And it's this like perfect sweet spot of like the fun of a roller coaster, but also like the wussiness of a dark ride. Makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, what was that documentary called again? Because they didn't... <laughs> I can't remember the name. Uh, um, It was on Defunct Land, and it was called Disneyland's Forgotten Sci-Fi Rock Band Live from the Space Stage Full Documentary. Which is a great title, guys. Keep it up. Yep, that's why everybody's heard of it. <laughs> Ooh, excuse me. But yeah, that was that was fun. I'm glad you enjoyed that, because it is an interesting story. And it's such a bummer that they don't have any of the songs saved. Yeah, that was like the really big bittersweet thing is that there's almost there's very little to left of this of this band. Like the the costumes have largely rotted away. All the props are gone. The instruments are gone. Like it it came and went, and then it it really went. And other than some memories and some really like cheap footage, there's there's almost nothing. And it it's really kind of sad, but also kind of adds to it in a way like like you really had to be there yeah there is a novelty to that um that kind of precious rarity of it yeah um now the other thing is again i love this disneyland trivia and i've never heard of this before this is becoming a more well-known thing as people start to spread the stories and stuff and i'm hoping that like it sounds like we have some bad recordings. I bet we could have like a cover band try to recreate the sound. Oh, I'm sure. Um, it's not going to be authentic, but I would love it if there was like a restoration effort to try to nail it as close as possible. Yeah, I know that the big, the really the difficult part would be getting someone to match the you know the singer because it. Well, what we heard, she's very good. Um. And just getting, like, the right attitude and everything like that, you know, and making it feel, like, authentic. Yeah. That would be the hardest part. But it can be done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are talented vocalists out there. I, I, would, I would be on board with someone doing that. Not me, because it would be a lot of work. Uh, I, I think, I bet, I bet one day it'll happen. The internet's got a way of doing stuff like that. And since most of the band's still alive, like, there's got to be some way to recreate the songs we don't have. Like snippets of and i mean i the songs are written down right probably like they they've got to have at least an idea of them so i don't know i'm in a weird position i opened up youtube because i was going to search for that thing and then you found it but like all of the videos in the top eight are ones that i would probably watch and it's like damn youtube you're getting really good at reading my garbage wow really yeah dude mine is like embarrassingly bad let me um so this is an internet historian that so I've never watched his stuff before. And then it's a bunch of songs I've already listened to. Mine uh, is uh there's a Warhammer video from Midwinter Minis and I like I just like his channel. Uh Jim Sterling video. That one I probably won't watch cuz I he bangs on about the same thing a lot. One's uh, an ASMR one from that Fred's voice guy. He's being a rude knight collecting tribute and that sounds like it's way dumber and more fun than it has any rights to be. There's a woodblock print one I haven't seen yet, a Jenny Nicholson video, a vocal coach I follow put up something. 
So yeah, it's like yeah, no, this is this is landing pretty well. Did you see the new Mega sixty four? I did not. They did a Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Oh, I bet that's good. Um, it's funny. I do you want spoilers? Or are you gonna watch it? I mean, I could watch it. Oh, this is a twelve minute. Uh, oh, not the behind the scenes. Well, it is seven minutes. I don't know if I want to watch the whole thing on the show. Um. So wait, wait I, I don't think it ruins the fun of it. Nah. But they had an idea to do a excuse me to do a Tony Hawk video. It was actually Garrett's idea, um, because the big HD remakes coming out. Yep. And he loves to skateboard, and it's like, well, you know, we could just we could skateboard around and just recreate, um, like gathering the the secret tapes. Like we just hang a VHS tape somewhere, and it's awkward, and you have to skate up and grab it, and it's it, and it'll be funny. So they it's like they planned out a two day shoot, and day one. They got a little bit of footage, but then Garrett hurt himself. Oh, no. So, like, he had to go home. Like, he, he kind of rolled his ankle bad. Okay. And so he's like, I can't skate like this right now. So, like, okay, well, we got some footage, but what do we do with the rest? And so they put Sean in, and they had him do, like, other bits that weren't real skating. But it's not coming together. And one of them had the idea of, like, man, what if we prank Garrett and we made the worst video ever and then blame him for it since he's not here? <laughs> and that'll make him feel bad because it was his idea anyways and so what they do is they put together this video that like kind of starts off cute but doesn't go anywhere and it's just kind of like stupid and so they had a secret camera hooked up and they're, show- they're showing it to Garrett and it's like so we're-, we're not sure this is working can you watch this and he's watching it and he's kind of like wincing a bit and he's kind of like well where's the secret tape she didn't even do the tape part it's like well yeah we-, we didn't think that was important to the joke and they keep like basically just disappointing him as the video goes on. Nice. And he's like, "I well, where was the other part? Like, we we got a lot of test footage. You can use that stuff." It's like, "Well, yeah, but you weren't really in costume, so I don't." And he's he's kind of like confused what's going on. Um, and so I'm like, "Well, okay, well, we we also sent this to to some other guys for review. So um, let's see what this guy says." And they bring up a video, and it's Tony Hawk, and he's saying like, "Hey, Garrett, um, thanks for trying on the video, but you're gonna have to try harder, man. This isn't great." <laughs> And like, <laughs> and the look on Garrett's face is just priceless. How the fuck did they get Tony Hawk to look at that thing? Um, I think honestly, I think Tony Hawk has a thing where if you pay him ten dollars, he'll say anything for thirty seconds. Oh yeah, um, that is <laughs> like an actual service that celebrities will do sometimes. Yeah, I think he might just be on that service, but I I don't know. Um, but it <laughs> it, was, uh, it turned out to be a really good prank on Garrett. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to watch that. That sounds great. And there's there's more to it than that, so I don't think I spoiled the fun of it. No, and it, like I said, it's a seven minute video. Like Mega sixty four, great. Like, they're one of the few channels that are like old internet still around, and they're still like fantastic. And we we bang on about them every once in a while, but oh, it's yeah. like man, they kind of they deserve it. What I love is that they still do what you liked them for. Like if you watch their old stuff, they've clearly improved. But the intent of the sense of humor is still the same. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, do you want to talk a little bit of uh, video game news? Yeah, there's the, the, the whole PlayStation thing, the Xbox thing, and at some point I'm going to need to upgrade my PC thing because it's old and there's new consoles coming out. Sucks to be me. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you care about PS5? I feel like... I care about the PS5 more than the Xbox at this point because the PS5 is going to have better exclusives. Like, 
It sounds like some of the Xbox stuff is going to eventually come to PC. Like, I'll be able to get the new Halo game on PC, right? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't need to fucking buy an Xbox then. Also, the Halo has free multiplayer, so I don't even have to buy it. There you go. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want an Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, eventually there's going to be, like, I'm pretty sure Elden Ring is going to be a Sony exclusive. Did uh, you see, um, <clears throat> oh, you don't really care, but they announced Final Fantasy 16. You're right, I don't totally care, but that is obviously big news for people who do. For me, that was a big thing. I think a lot of people didn't like 15, so I think this is going to be a similar problem. Sure. Um, But I liked 15, so I'm looking forward to 16. The new Resident 15? Evil looks good. 15 was the one where you played as a group of like beautiful boys and you're driving around, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a road trip. I've, I've really only heard good things about that game, but I, I guess I don't pay attention to like the video game zeitgeist as a whole, so perhaps I, I got a, a skewed view of it. So I think there's two problems with 15, and one is more objective and one is more subjective. And the objective problem is that the gameplay doesn't feel like an RPG because you it's action and you control one character at a time. Okay. But you also have this really, like, you do this teleport attack, so you kind of just keep mashing the A button, you know? Oh. So it's like, you can try to do more complicated things, but it's not actually that rewarding to do that. So some people got really just tired of the mechanics, because it's not an engaging game to play. Sure. Uh, So, yeah, I think there's a problem there, and I don't know anyone that's like that really defends that gameplay a whole lot. I think almost everyone admits that that's a weak point. Mm-hmm. And so in the trailer for 16, they show off gameplay, but there's a part where he teleports and it looks like they're recycling the same animation. And I'm like, Oh no. Um, so we'll see how that goes. The more uh, subjective complaint. A lot of people hate that you're four guys on a road trip driving a car. And see, they, I heard that was pretty charming. But I guess, yeah, I could see if you're used to playing like Final Fantasy, you're like, we're going to save the world and kill God or whatever. Being four guys on a road trip is a, a bit different. But that's the thing. The, if you go back to the first Final Fantasy game, you're just four guys on a road trip. Sure. Like, you, you don't, you're not given a lot of narrative stuff. You're just traveling around and you'll show up in a town. And when you get to the town, someone says, a dragon has been terrorizing us. And so it's like, well, we better stop that dragon, guys. And you go kill the dragon, and then you discover the crystal. And it's like, oh, there's more crystals. We have to find the crystals. And that's what 15 is. It's just, it's four guys, and you get cut off from the outside world. Like, they're, you're, you start the road trip, and then, like, an, a rival empire attacks your kingdom. And basically, like, there's no news coming out because it's a war zone. So you're in the dark. And it doesn't give you a lot of, like, narrative. Like, there aren't cutscenes of what the bad guys are plotting. So it's all from your point of view. Like, you pull over to a hotel and just, like, read the newspaper and go, man, I can't believe this happened. And it's, like, it's kind of refreshing because we don't get stories like that anymore. Yeah, that sounds really pretty cool. It's also not what anyone's expecting after playing 13. Sure. So I don't think anyone knew what to expect. And then they were very, like, very let down by the end result. Which to me is a shame because 15 is everything I want out of Final Fantasy. <laughs> like there's little details about just the life. Like you have to pull up for gas and um, and the way the characters interact. Like they all have neat personalities where you understand why they're friends. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can actually you can drive the car, or you can tell one of the other guys like, "Hey, you want to drive for a bit?" And you just get in the back, and you can like manage inventory and stuff, and then dick around on your phone while someone else is driving. Like it, <laughs> it feels like a road trip. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and um, and the one guy has a hobby of cooking, so he's the one that cooks, and all the food is like photorealistic. Um, there's another friend has this uh, he has a camera around his neck, and is like his hobby is taking pictures. And he'll take snapshots while you're fighting. Like, it's, there's an animation in the game where sometimes you'll catch him, like, lining up a shot. Because, like, you're doing a combo, and you hit the monster up in the air, and you jump up. And then he, like, does a double take and pulls out the camera and, like, snaps your shot real quick. Oh, cool. And so when you make camp for the end of the night, the one friend's cooking. And while that's being done, you go over to the table, and all the photos are laid out. And, like, every day when you save, there's, like, five new photos. And you can, like, look at those, and they're actual photographs from earlier in the day that's charming it's charming that's those details are what i remember about the story Mm -hmm. um so it's it's like boy i'd love to play 16 but also i know the internet's gonna spurg out about it so right other than that i don't i guess i don't i didn't pay too much attention to any any of the announcements i've seen some console war bullshit uh, pop up in a few places i go to already Yes, and it's like, man, <laughs> what years? Y'all are adults. Fuck off. I, that's the thing. I I was talking to um the guys at work, right? Um, you can get an Xbox for three hundred dollars or a PlayStation Five for four hundred dollars, and it's like, I could just buy both if I want. Like we're right. adults now, <laughs> and and like I kind of want neither of them. And that's the thing, like, especially opening, you know, release weekend or whatever, like, there's not gonna, there's no games I want to play, like, it's gonna take at least a year for, for something worthwhile to come out. So what I really want is the new Spider-Man DLC. Guess what? It's on PS4, so I don't need a 5 for it. Yo. Um, Final Fantasy 16, that's, like, next year or two. Yo. Um, there's no rush. Halo's coming to PC, or at least the multiplayer is. Uh, I want the new Crash Bandicoot on PS4. I want the new Star Wars Squadrons on my PC. Like, mm-hmm. I got stuff. I don't I don't need a PlayStation. <laughs> so, I don't know. But it's kind of fun that we finally have, like... Oh, they're coming out. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a while. Yeah, it feels like it. It does and it doesn't. It's, time is so weird, but it's like, yeah, I guess it's been like seven years since the... PS4 came out, and it's like, really? It's gone by really fast. A lot has happened. Yeah. I, You know, thinking about where my life was when I, when the PS4 came out, it's like, I'm, a, I'm practically a different person from then. Yeah. Oh, well. I literally own a house now. Like, it's a, a lot's <laughs> fucking happened. <laughs> well, it's also weird, like, um, like, uh, again, I was talking with the guys at work, and we're talking about new games coming out. But none of them have played VR. Oh, wow. And I brought up something in VR, and they were like, oh, you have a VR headset, what's that like? And I realized that, oh, like, these new consoles are pretty much the same thing we already had. Yeah. Like, I was describing what my Vive can do, and it's like, I'm literally in another world. Like, this whole lockdown, I've been going to a bar and drinking with friends. (laughs) You know? It's like, I I buy beer at the gas station. And I'm a beautiful anime girl, and it's like, boy, look, look, I can hold my beard and my tits, guys, and we all they all cheer <laughs> for me. 
That is that is a wild like thing to think about though. What it also very true like the 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 immersiveness of VR is unlike anything else. And if you got enough people that have it, yeah, go fucking log into animebartits.com and did uh did I tell you a friend made me watch Ready Player One? No. So I'm catching up with a friend I haven't seen in a while. In fact, you know what? Um, this friend and his wife they took me out for beers like the weekend before lockdown started. Oh wow! So I, we haven't seen each other like since then. So <laughs> it was like it's like, hey, you know what? It's been long enough. I feel good. We should hang out. Yeah. So I go over and um and we grilled up some ribs and we played uh um you know that Side Night and Happiness game with the trolley. Yeah. Um, we played trial by trolley and that was a lot of fun. Um, but then his wife wanted to watch a movie. And it's like, okay, what movie you watch? It's like, well, Cameron, have you have you seen Ready Player One? And like, I didn't even answer. And she was like grabbing the Blu-ray to put it in the thing. And he's he's kind of rolling his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, hey, we we've been drinking. It'll be fun. Um, but it was just it was funny how like both of them kept saying how like, man, I wish this stuff was real. Like it would be so fun to just like to to just be a Terminator and drive a DeLorean. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> like I was thinking about, like, I, like I showed him, I showed the guy um, some VR chat stuff, and like, there's this one thing where you get these giant robot hands, and they have physics on them, so you can grab the side of a building and then like pull yourself up, and the momentum will like launch you in the air. And I'm like slingshotting around the city and stuff, and so I showed him some gameplay of that. And he was like, oh, that is the thing, huh? <laughs> I don't want to, like, I don't I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but I got some coworkers at work that I, I guess are going to, they want to get together soon and, and make um, marijuana-infused butter so they can make a bunch of pot cookies and stuff. Nice. And this is the first time they'll, they've done their, like, yeah, we should get together and get high or drunk and make pot butter and listen to music. And it's like... Yeah, I would do that. That sounds fun. So it's possible within the next like month or two, I might have a pretty fun story <laughs> about making pot butter. That should be fun, though. I think that would be a good time. But, uh, we're at 54 minutes. Do we want to do a glad space and then maybe go... Uh, we talked about playing Space Station 13 tonight. I'm, I'm still down if you are. Yeah, you know, I've been playing a lot of Space Station 13 lately. And that honestly might still be my glad space again this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I know I shared a funny story with you where like I kept coughing up rainbows and like the whole station was rainbow colored, mm-hmm. and then two space station shuttles like crashed into each other and all the like rainbow colored blood splattered all over the place and I couldn't tell what was up or down anymore. <laughs> um, but I had another funny story. This is on like the RP server where it's like a lot more safe and slow. Mm-hmm. They updated how the cooking works, so they redesigned the bleh, they redesigned the whole kitchen. There's new like kitchen tools and ingredients and and uh what is it like recipes and stuff. So it's just toying around with it. And one of the changes they made is that now uh, hot peppers can be like lethal if you have too many. Oh wow! So like if you have four of them, your system kind of like overheats and you risk a heart attack. And a lot of people didn't even know about that. Like a week ago, I ate an enchilada plate and then my character died and no one could figure out why I died. <laughs> and an admin had to tell us after the round ended, like, oh yeah, you ate too many chili peppers. 
And it's like, I didn't eat chili peppers. I had an enchilada. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's four enchilada or like there's four chili peppers in the enchilada recipe. And it's like, okay, eating a plate of enchiladas shouldn't be lethal. I'm like, yeah, we should change that. <laughs> um, but now that I know that, I was like, well, I wonder, I wonder like what spicy things are in there. Yeah. And I'm reading the recipe and there's a, <laughs> there's a recipe for burritos, but then you, and, and a burrito has a chili pepper in it. But then you can make spicy burritos where you make a meat burrito and then you add two more chili peppers on top of that. And that makes the spicy burrito. But then there's an El Diablo burrito where you add 10 peppers to the spicy burrito. So it's a total of 13 peppers in this one burrito. (laughs) So I was like, oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I want to I want to trick someone into eating this and see if they just literally burst into flames. Yeah. Um, so what I did was I I made a character who looks like a like a succubus demon with the chef's hat, and I got I made the the El Diablo burrito, and I made uh, six jalapeno poppers, and I sent them out in like a pentagram thing in the dining area, and I <laughs> I made I got some paper and I wrote up a legal form for like a waiver, and I put that over the burrito, and it, all all the waiver says is um. A death's challenge burrito. Um, I acknowledge I might die, and there's a place for them to sign. Oh, nice! And I put that on the burrito, and then I got red crayon and I drew pentagrams all over the floor around that. <laughs> and then I got candles and I lit the candles around it, so it looked like a ritual. And I made a wooden coffin and I drew, I dragged the coffin over next to the seating area at the bar there. Um, and then I, <sighs> what was the other thing? Um. Oh, and then I got on the on the the loudspeaker for the station comms, and I said, "Hey, everyone! the The Death's Challenge Burrito Challenge is now in the kitchen. Like, come on down to the mess hall." And I had a sack of money, and inside the sack of money was one dollar, and I had that behind the counter where no one could see it. And, <laughs> and so this people... is fucking elaborate, Cameron. <laughs> oh, it was. It was a quiet night, so no one like. No one cared that I was, like, stealing resources from other departments to arrange this. Mm-hmm. And so they walk into the kitchen, and, like, the lights are out. I I removed the light bulbs in that half of the restaurant just so that the candlelight would light up the, the El Diablo burrito. And it was just... It was hilarious. And I'm just standing there with my little chef's hat on. And people walk up and go, oh, is this the death's challenge? It's just a burrito? I go, yeah, well, you gotta eat the burrito and all the jalapeno poppers. <laughs> and then one guy was like, "I can do that," and so it was like, "Okay, you got to sign this waiver." And he was like, "Oh," and then the the station commander came by and it's like, "You can't do this without medical staff present." And I said, "Okay, I'll call one." And she said, "Okay," and she left, and I didn't call one. Mm-hmm. And then he's like sitting there with the waiver, uh, um, and I get and I like he picked up the paper, and then like I picked up a, my pen, and I'm like standing next to him, clicking it nonstop. Like, Need a pen? Need a pen? <laughs> And I, I gave him the pen, and he signed it, and he sits down, and he ate one jalapeno popper, and then he was like, oh, I don't feel good, and he left. Oh. <laughs> and, and everyone kept teasing him the rest of the shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, this is why I like this improv stuff. Yeah. It's stupid. Did you end up killing anybody? No. Aww. Um, and then also, like... When I made my character, one of your one of your racial traits you can pick is like resistance to spicy food. 
So I put that on the character because I wanted, I expected someone to say like, well, maybe we should race and whichever one dies first loses. I go, right. okay. Um, no, that's just, sorry, you thought ahead. I did. I Seriously, I put more thought into that than like my college career. <laughs> oh, that's good. How about you? Do you have a glad space? Um, yeah, what, what made me glad today? Ended up, I, I hate that my glad space is kind of like a, a consumerism thing, but uh, ended up a, a couple weeks ago. I ordered a, a a woodblock print from Dave Bull, and I've talked about him a handful of times on this channel now because I'm really into his YouTube channel. And I finally bought one of his uh, pro, uh products, and it came all the way from Japan, and I have it, and it's really really pretty. It's it's a kind of a dark moody background. There's a moon, and then there's like four really dark black crows like in the silhouette of the moon. And it's a, it's just this gorgeous little piece of art, and I'm really excited to have it. It's really neat. It's you know not like anything you're really gonna find around here. And I'm gonna frame it. And I'm gonna put it on my wall in the hallway into my room. And I'm glad I got to like support that guy. I mean, he's been doing this forever. He's got like two print shops, so he's clearly doing well for himself. But it's cool to, I guess, like find a YouTuber in a way and just be like, I like you enough. I want to buy the thing you do, like your your art. Yeah, I've never done that before, and, and uh, that's good though. It's neat, and it's it's definitely you know it's old school traditional like Japanese art that he's helping bring back. So that was that was cool to come home and have that on my doorstep. Oh, it even showed up. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I wanna I wanna see a picture when you get it all set up and done. Okay. That'll be nice. Right. You must have a pretty house by now because you keep buying stupid things off the internet. <laughs> it's uh it's yeah, I think it looks pretty good. I'm I'm it's not like that elaborately decorated. I'm actually fairly sparse with it. I yeah, still but you don't want too much. No. What there's one thing I do want and it's kinda dumb, but I wanna get like a a big chunk of bismuth to put on the one of the end tables. Just because I think as a metal it's really, really cool. And uh, color-wise, it will match some of the other stuff in the living room, so it'll feel cohesive. Uh, and so, like, I think the, the next decorative thing I, I eventually spend money on that I shouldn't will be one of those. But they're a, a decent-sized chunk's kind of expensive, so that'll be another, like, $65, $70 for a piece of decoration. But I, I, I still want one. Like, after watching... And I've I got I, I've learned what that was through a freaking Steven Universe... And it was Wait, like, really? oh, that's a yeah. I was like, that's a real thing, apparently. And I, you know, looked it up, and I was like, that looks really cool. I had no idea what that was until then. No, when that character showed up, I saw her ugly dreadlocks, and I was like, oh, is that Bismuth? And then she's like, I'm Bismuth. I'm a cool character. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I like the rock less now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the character was fine, but I had never. It's fine, but I'd never heard of Bismuth before. <laughs> I honestly like. I was ready to call that as the jump the shark moment where it's like, oh, they're out of ideas. They they designed Bismuth with dreadlocks to just get the color line thing in. Like, that character really upset me at the time. I don't know why. Really? It was... And, and also, I felt like that whole episode was a waste. Because it was like a weird backpedal sidestep thing. I didn't, I didn't like that at all. Sure. It was... Uh, whatever. <laughs> Steven Universe. There was a time when we talked about that cartoon a lot on this show. Yeah, I still like the songs, though. I like the sad Spinel song, 
where she's sad. I, I like Steven Universe. I, you know, the oh, I didn't watch I like, any of the new stuff. I like the sad Pearl song where Pearl's sad. That's you a like good all the sad stuff, you sad boy. There, there's no good sad My Little Pony songs. Um, except for Tempest. I like Tempest song. I was gonna say Tempest has a good one. Um, I still I want to take that that song she sings. Like I love how that scene is done. Mm-hmm. And I want to do an animatic where I replace the ponies with um, my World of Warcraft character, my, my panda. <laughs> because literally, like, that is how she would talk. Like, if she had a, a panda, she had, like, an alliance panda captured, and she's, like, on board a, a horde warship. Like, she would totally look down on anyone that's not on her side of the panda war. Sure. While the other side of the panda war is saying, no, we shouldn't have a war, that's the point. And it's like, I love that scene so much, but it literally just reminds me of my panda every time I watch that. Oh, I'm also super glad about the uh, that up there J- uh, World of Warcraft video you sent me yesterday where they have the new villain from the expansion singing the South Park song. Yeah, wasn't that like, that's what Warcraft videos used to be 10 years ago. Seeing <laughs> Seeing that made me feel nostalgic for WoW. Which is really sad, since this whole expansion seems built around nostalgia, and I haven't felt anything yet. Just, like, the way he's got- when his eyes close and open, like, it's so emotive. Whoever did this did a brilliant fucking job. They did a good job. It was a clever idea, but then they executed it perfect. Um, they brought back Garage in a short today. Do you like Garage? I don't know who that is. Oh, Garage, um, he's alright. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he's back. Yay. Yeah, I don't... What about Ursok? Do you know Ursok? Uh... No. Ursok is the bear spirit that the druids get bear power from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he died. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, his his soul went to the other realm to, like... He was a raid boss, and you beat him. But oh. his soul went to the nature spirit realm. And so they put out a short that said his soul couldn't recover, and then he like disappears forever. So he'll so never did, be reborn. Where did druids get their bear form now? Um, Chris Metzen's hairy anus. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Yeah, thank you for legitimately answering my question. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night, everyone. And remember, there's always room for seconds. <laughs> <laughs>